1 John chapter 1, the title of my sermon this morning is Coming to the Table Together. Coming to the Table Together. We're going to be looking at uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So as our deacons make their way in and, and have a seat, let's take our passage of Scripture and let's read that together. The Word says, This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your word. We pray that as we study it this morning for just a few moments together before we come to Your table, that You would use it to prepare our minds, to prepare our hearts, that we would think rightly Because as someone said, what we think of you, when you come to our minds, what we think of you determines uh, how we worship. Our thought life is so important. I pray, Father, this morning you would cleanse our minds and you would cleanse our hearts as the word comes in and does its sanctifying work on us. Lord, if there is someone in this place this morning that has not been saved by the blood of Christ, I pray today might be that day. That you would save them from their sins. We thank you, Father, for your word. We ask you, God, to use it in our lives this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite places to eat, uh, I say favorite, I've only eaten there twice to be fair, but I can say both meals ranked in the, uh, in the top uh, three or four of my favorite places to eat. Uh, it's an old meal in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And someone took this old meal and decided this would make a great restaurant and we can have Hundreds and hundreds of people flow through here, and they can wait for two hours to get into the place, and, uh, and they can enjoy a great family meal here. And they cleverly turn this into uh, what restaurant? The Old Mill, right? Somebody had a stroke of genius, I guess. But you can go get awesome food, great atmosphere, excellent service. If you want to stand on that you know, elevated ramp for 45 minutes and wait to get in. But I was thinking about it. One of the reasons that I love eating at the Old Mill Uh, Of course, the food is good. I love the atmosphere. But being with family and being with friends uh, makes that meal so much more enjoyable. When you sit down to this huge round table and uh, you have great conversation and and, uh, you're you're making sure your your 14 kids, I think as S.E. said, are not getting up and running around the, the place and going up and down the ramp. It's just great fun. You know, it's just good time being together. But part of the fun of eating at the old meal is just being there, sharing that special time with family, and friends because it's about so much more than the food. It's about so much more than the service. It's about more than the atmosphere or where you're going to get dessert afterward. It's about being together, right? It's about being together. If you have a tradition in your family of Sunday lunch or Sunday dinner uh, or whatever you call those meals where you go and uh, granny fixes a big spread of food and you sit down to the table, um, think about how enjoyable that would not be if you sat down to that table by yourself. Now, some of you say I would have all the food to myself and that would work out just fine for me. But I think you understand what I mean that 
A lot of the joy in sharing a meal with family and friends is just that, that we share it. That we don't eat it by ourselves. And so I think the scripture says a lot in the way of that when it comes to the Lord's Supper. We are a diverse body of people that are held together by a common faith in Jesus Christ. If I asked you who you pulled for last night in the Dodgers or the Astros, some of you would say I didn't pull for anybody. I was asleep. I didn't care about it. That's okay. That's all right. You don't have to be a baseball fan to be here this morning. You have to love the Lord Jesus. You have to believe in him to come to this table. And so we're talking about fellowship this morning. Fellowship. We use that word in Baptist life a lot, don't we? Oh, we love to fellowship. And sometimes I think we, we water down the meaning unintentionally of what true biblical fellowship really is. If we study the actual word in the New Testament, the word fellowship means this. It is an intentional sharing. It is a generosity. It's a sense of community that you have together because Jesus is our common ground. The blood of Christ is what unites us. The Holy Spirit living within us is what brings us together, even though some pull for the Dodgers, some pull for the Astros, some were asleep, some don't have TVs. I'm using a lesser example, but you understand what I'm saying. The point is we are diverse. And I want to say this. I know that our country is going through a lot of, of struggle and strain that right now with race relations. I am from a city very different from Marion. My perspective is very different, but I want to say this. The Lord Jesus loves all colors, shapes, shades of skin. He loves them all. Go read Acts chapter 10. He set Peter right on that. So we can be as diverse as our skin color, our eye color, who we pull for, what our favorite foods are, where we come from. We can be diverse. But when we come together and we come to the Lord's table, we come because the body and the blood of Christ is what unites our hearts together. The Apostle John, near the end of his life, was the spiritual leader to the church there in Ephesus. Probably 20 plus years after the Apostle Paul ministered in that city, John was writing and ministering and leading this church. And by this point, something had happened in the church life that was not good. Darkness through different heresies and false teachings were creeping into the church. And so there was a syncretistic blend of the gospel along with some things that were not at all gospel. Gnosticism and ideas such as that were creeping into the church, being blended together. And that, that what we had was, was something that was not true gospel at all. It was diluted, it was tainted, it was wrong. And so John was writing to address some issues the church was facing. Those two issues would be avoiding the pitfalls of sin and protecting the people he loved from False teaching. He desperately wanted the church to be healthy. One of the things I think we are in danger of in the world we live in today is saying doctrine is it's, it's kind of important, but it needs to be secondary. It needs to be third. If we don't have sound doctrine that we agree on at the, the basics, the fundamentals of our faith, then we are not united. Our doctrine defines who we are as Christ's people. And so John cared about their doctrine. It would make them healthy. It would make them thriving. It would make them sound in their theology so that they could enjoy fellowship together. So that they could have fellowship with the Father. Doctrine is incredibly important. So we're going to walk through this passage, just make a few comments, and then we'll come to the table as the application. Verse 5. Let's read 5 and 6 again. This is the message, John says, we have heard from him. And declare 
to you. God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship, sharing, commonality, unity. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and we are not practicing the truth. If you go to Psalm 27 verse 1, this affirms John's teaching. Listen to this. It says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Jesus said in John chapter 12. Verse 46, that he, talking about Christ, came into the world as light, not as a light. Very important in our day of tolerance, right? That Jesus came as light, as the light, not as a light among many different lights. So that anyone who believed in him would not walk in darkness. So what is the connection? When we believe in Christ... The word believe and the word obey in the New Testament are virtually synonymous. When Jesus said, if you love me, what did he say you would do? If you love me, you will obey my commands. If we love him and we believe in him, there is an inner stirring within us that we want to obey. We get to obey. Not we got to, to use poor slang. I know some of you just cringed, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes we look at the teachings of Christ and we say, oh man, I I, got to do this and I got to do that. And I, no. Because of the love given to us at the cross, we get to do these things as an offering to our Father, but also as fellowship with our brothers and our sisters. He doesn't want us to stumble around in the darkness. Clearly, God does not want that. He is light. He sent Jesus to be the light so we could do what? Walk. What does that word walk mean? means live. So we could live in the light. When the power goes out, how important is light? All of a sudden, you take it for granted until the power goes out and you have nothing. And then you realize your flashlight batteries are dead. That's never happened to me. I don't know that by experience at all. You remember those old Motel 6 commercials? What did they say? We'll leave the light on for you, right? We don't, I don't know where those went. I guess they turned the light off. I don't know. But they said, we'll leave the light on for you. That's what Jesus has done for us. That light will never be turned out. It will never be extinguished. It will be the light that lights up heaven because of the glory of God in Jesus Christ, our Savior. He came to turn the light on so that we did not have to continue stumbling in the dark. But the problem is, sometimes we do. We persist in sin sometimes, and John obviously is addressing a problem in this church. People were persisting in sin, and they were saying, but we still have fellowship with Jesus. What does John say? You can't do that. You can't say, I'm intentionally, willfully persisting in sin, but I'm good with God. We hear that today, don't we? Do whatever I want to. Universalist, universalism says we're all going to be saved in the end. It's okay and, and we can just stumble. No, that's not what the scripture tells us. Verse 6, John says, if our walk and our talk don't match up, listen, we're flat out lying. We're flat out lying and we're not practicing the truth. I'm not talking about incidental stumbling. I'm talking about intentional stumbling. Rushing headlong into sin. With no care or concern to stop and to repent. That is not consistent with someone who knows Christ as Savior. 
That doesn't mean we don't have sin. Look at 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing you these things so you may not sin. But John gives a concession. If anyone does sin. So what does John know about his beloved church? We will sin. We will struggle. We will stumble from time to time. If we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. But if we are in the Spirit, there will be evidence of repentance in our life that is in keeping with the gospel. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us. His son cleanses us from all sin. This is the opposite. Walking in the light is an indication that we have true fellowship with Christ. Now, can someone walk in the light and fake it for a time? But you won't fake it till you make it with God. That don't work. The scripture doesn't teach that. We truly have fellowship because we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus that we're going to commemorate here in just a few moments. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, listen to this. This is scary. We are deceiving ourselves. If we spin the narrative in our mind that we are good, we are blameless, we have not stumbled, we've not struggled, there's nothing we need to seek restitution or confession for, then we are deceiving ourselves and the truth, listen, is not in us. Verse 9, love this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous or just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some unrighteousness? All. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. His word is not in us. It's hard to read this verse and not think of the Pharisees, isn't it? The Pharisees were so good at finger pointing. They were so self-righteous. They were masters at pointing out the sins of others. And they claimed to have arrived at the pinnacle of religious perfection. But the scripture says we deceive ourselves when we say we are free from sin. Instead, what ought we to do? Admit. Admit to God and to one another. James says confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. There is Power and freedom and cleansing in confession, not in concealment. He is faithful to forgive and he is able to forgive because he is the only one who is just and justifies the just. Okay, okay. So what is all this? You say, I don't see the word Lord or I don't see the word supper rather anywhere in this text. What does this have to do with walking in darkness, persisting in sin and us coming to the Lord's table today? Here's the connection point. John says having fellowship, unity, togetherness, having fellowship with each other means this. We don't continue stumbling in the darkness of our sin. We strive through the empowering Holy Spirit because of the grace given to us at the cross. We fight from victory, not for victory. We fight fight from a place of having been saved and sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ with that Holy Spirit that lives in us. So we are guaranteed the victory ultimately. We move forward from that place. We walk in the light of Christ. And when we don't get it right, we come, we confess that to God to make sure that we are right with him and right with each other. That is the aim of fellowship. So when we talk about the supper, we're talking about the physical symbol, as Alicia talked about, of Christian fellowship with God and with each other. Listen to this quote, Bobby Jameson. Remember this. That celebrating the Lord's Supper expresses our commitment to Christ and to each other. When you take this little cup and this little piece of bread, you're affirming your commitment 
to your brothers and sisters in this place. You're affirming that you love them. You pray for them. You are committed to them. You are right with them. We are affirming that and we are affirming that with our Father in heaven. To receive Christ's benefit in the Lord's Supper is to receive Christ's people as brothers and sisters. Remember that table at the old mill? Here's what we're saying. When we take this together, we are spiritually saying, I'll let you come sit at my table. I love you. May not always agree with you, but I love you because of the spirit that's in me and the spirit that is in you. In the Lord's Supper, we make the commitment to each other that takes us to cross the line. Listen, this is so good. From being just a handful of Christians to a local church. Big difference. Big difference. In the act of the Lord's Supper, we come together as one. As Paul says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for all of us share that one bread. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. We are sharing. We are coming together to share as one body, because there is one Savior and one atoning death to deal with all the sin that we bring into this place today. It's been put away through His blood, through His body. When you take this cup, when you take this bread, here's what you're saying. I am me. I am a believer in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And as best I can tell, I'm right with him and I'm right with my brothers. And I'm coming to this table to partake in the benefits of being a part of a local church that I am committed to. That's what the supper says. We strive to walk in the light. We are right with our brothers and sisters. We are right with the Lord because we repented and we trusted Jesus for our eternal salvation. 